You're listening to A Brief History of Power with two white guys who had one point hoped to solve all of philosophy and history's problems for you before the election was over, and now we're going to talk about Japan instead. So left turn, uh, forget <laughs> everything else. Don't worry. Don't look behind the curtain. U.S. is fine. This is the way politics always go. Actually, maybe that's a good place to go, though. The discussion in the Brief History of Power Discord channel on the Mad Christian Discord server has tended to be around, you know, uh, false flag slash who do you trust slash everyone's for their, themselves now. So watch out is falling apart. That seems to be the the diagnosis I'm hearing from most people. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, I I think that the people that listen to the show are very interesting people. Hopefully, that's because the show is very interesting. And by very interesting, I by no means mean unanimous. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you can definitely tell that people, some people are, I mean, some people are coming from kind of a libertarian background. Some people are coming, not as many coming from a sort of standard 2011 GOP, slightly Tea Party-ish background. So, I mean, everything that's American is kind of vaguely libertarian. So I don't mean like in an Austrian school sense libertarian, but... People, some people definitely well, yeah, watch, okay. so, watch so more Fox News than others. Some guy with a lot of tattoos and and a a, a costume outfit is uh, that, that looks like a barbarian wielding yeah. a spear is, I would say, fairly libertarian. That sounds about <laughs> right, right? There's a he there's is, a flavor. He there. is a he is a shaman. That's definitely libertarian. Yeah. Oh gosh, gosh, I didn't even put that together. But the, the spear, yeah. the spear, the scepter yeah. of wickedness will not long rest upon the land allotted to the justified. It says somewhere in a book I call good. Looks like there's a new scepter in town, though. And that's, to me, symbolically, yeah. that's what I told my congregation, crazy as I may be. I said, uh, here's the thing. I, there's a guy named Biden who's going to be officially called the president of the U.S. in all international politics. So, you know, get used to it. You know, stop, stop, whatever that is. Get used to that idea. But don't pretend like, therefore, he is now the symbolic father of America. The symbolic father of America just died. We don't have a father anymore. We used to have the presidency, and we used to believe that it could be voted for. Now we know it's bought. Okay, so then, in, or Biden becomes our symbolic father. But rather than that happen, a shaman, as you point out, stands upon our great place and mocks us and says, no, you're not. No, you're not. And that's a foretaste of what's to come, I think, in a lot of ways, sociopolitically, uh, psychologically, for families, men, as they struggle with what it means to live in a society that attempts to be androgynous. All these things. They're all tied to each other. Um, so I thought last week and, and uh, frankly, last night was a, a big a big time in our history. And so there, you know, take that one and make it sane again. I think that what is going to be seen is that religion is unavoidable yeah. because you get invocations of sacredness and um, things being holy, having been defiled, even by people who really don't believe in anything. I mean, right. Ch Chuck Schumer is not a notably religious Jew, but he did call the Capitol a temple of democracy. Uh, and it had been defiled by the, by the insurrectionists. Right, term. right. So what you're going to see is that religious language is completely unavoidable in human affairs. And part of the reason that it's been to some extent absent, except as a sort of vague beneficent force in American history for our non-Puritan city on a hill is because there were broad areas of agreement about a lot of things in life. And now, I mean, I don't know, I don't really know how we're going to have a country when we can't even stay on social media platforms together. So.
if you can't stand to have somebody on social media, why would you want to be in the same country with him? <laughs> well, they, so, they don't. From what I understand, yeah. from what I've seen still on social media, it's okay there to say that others have to go away, which is a strange right. place to be. And then and then to be amazed how many people don't know that conversation is taking place too. The insularity of the average media consumer uh, is stunning, uh, what they haven't heard, uh, what they haven't yeah. thought about. Yeah. Right. And so, I, I mean, I, I think that we are in a period very similar to Japan is, I, I, I'm going to say Japan is not a hard left turn because we are in a period very similar to a period in Japanese history between when the Americans demanded to come in to Japan in 1853. Thank you, Teddy Roosevelt. And when, and when Japan having fought over, I mean, quite literally fought over a lot of how that was going to play out, took the shape that it would take in the late 1860s. So after our civil war is over and the shape that it would have until we dropped nuclear weapons on them. Right. Because we basically claimed the Pacific. And am I right? I want to make sure I'm right. That was, that was Teddy, right? He was involved. No, no, no that's before, that's before. Who Teddy. Is it? No, no. It's, it's Commodore, Commodore Dory. Is that it? Perry. Perry. That's it. He's famous. So, I knew that. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's 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 an interesting example of Matthew Perry is a famous American, but he's only big in Japan. Oh, interesting. You know? So the Japanese, I mean, there's a statue of him in uh, Japan. Japanese school children learn about him, but most Americans do not, which is, it's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting example of the story that they tell themselves about Americans involves Americans being this sort of like exploring imperialistic race of like really tall white men. And then the story that American school children learn about America is very different from that. Well, and we you know, did, but, I mean, we forced open a civilization yeah, that had been right. closed for 200 years. Is that right? Longer than that. Longer than um, that. So it goes back to the Japanese reaction to the Dutch and the Portuguese, respectively, trying to open up more and more of Japan. And then the shoguns, who are not the imperial family, the imperial family presumed to have been in continuous rule formally of Japan since the at least the eighth century. Okay. So a really long time. The, the shoguns are are are, 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 are actually in charge. Old money is what you're saying. Emperor's uh, old money. No, it's not money. It's not money because the Japanese are openly religious about stuff, which I appreciate. Despite some of this, I mean, you have to get over the term religion, as we talked about in the last episode, yeah, yeah. but they're openly religious. They have divine sanction. That's why the imperial family is not deposed, even when functionally they're not in power. Huh. In the 17th century, the shoguns are very much functionally in power. And they say, we cannot have, we, we, are, we are going to be effaced if we continue to open up to the Western barbarians. That's also why Christianity is pushed all the way underground, if not completely exterminated in Japan, because it's understood to be a foreign, it's a hostile ideology. It's a hostile foreign ideology. You better believe that Yahweh is hostile to foreign guys. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And so, I mean, yeah, I don't think the Japanese were wrong about that. So what, what they do is they push that all the way underground. They limit foreign traders to certain harbors and they're not allowed to come. Yeah, super, super, the main super island. limited. Let me let me try to like completely postmodern fusion this to just show how weird it is, I think. Uh, so imagine that early settlements in the United States eastern seaboard are suddenly kind of rounded up and either killed or kicked off and told not to come back by a united nation of 
American Native Indians. They've all come together yeah, and they agree right. they are one and they're going to stand against you and you can't quite physically resist at this point. And they have a God King who's actually more of like just a God. And and then right. they have other people yeah. who rule, right? right. And so I don't know. I, I'm trying to find another historical relation outside of deep ancient world stuff and there ain't yeah. very much. There, there are two parallels on the North American continent where whites are pushed back successfully for a while. And that is the Iroquois Confederacy in what's now upstate New York. And also the, and much more successfully, the Comanches on mm -hmm. the Great Plains. So there, there are examples, but there's nothing as successful as the Japanese really, because if you're an island nation, island, it's, right. it's easier. And yeah. a mountain, a mountain island nation. It's, it's, yeah. It helps a little. Right. And so that long period of isolation called Sakoku ends when the Japanese are not unaware of what's going on in the outside world. So when Perry arrives and, and basically threatens them with military assault, if they don't open themselves up to trading and Perry is not incidentally, this goes back to some of the stuff we've been talking about with America. And we'll talk about sometime again, it does matter what part of America the person is from. Perry is from a family of Yankee sailors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, without new England, America would be a completely different country. And the Yankees are the ones that forced China and Japan to open up to American traders. So Perry forces them. And what they realize is we can't actually completely resist this anymore. There are forces bigger than us and bigger than what's going on in our islands. And we have to react yeah. somehow. It's crazy because this is the reason they open or yeah, the reason they open is because they are forced to open. The reason they are forced to open is because the military might of these seagoing vessels that have suddenly emerged out of the earth. Right. It is like right. it is like Leviathan upon them. It's like, well, I guess we better respond now. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they have right. all the text, so we got to go learn it from them. Right. Ooh. And the reason that we're talking about this right now is specifically because a lot of times when people listen to the stuff that we talk about on here, they feel overwhelmed partly by information, but partly also because when you begin to learn what is going on and what has gone on, you can feel extremely small. I'm mm. saying that's actually salutary. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the period that is most like where we are right now with it's not clear who is or should be in charge. It's not clear who all the actors are. It's not clear what's going to happen in five years, let alone 10, let alone 20 is very similar to this 14 year period in Japan, which involves a lot of stuff that we can talk about today, but I, I, I want, I don't want to get too weird and too arcane. I want to talk about American stuff, the parallel stuff as well. There's a 14 year period called the Bakumatsu that. And this leaves, is before, before or after they open. This is, this is after they open and the question and the fight within Japan is about what opening is going to be like. Can we just let me insert one thing that I learned from from hardcore history on this. That I thought was very important, given all my Japanese history I learned from manga, um, was that the <laughs> shogunate at this time, Tokugawa, mm -hmm. was not at this time powerful within their own region like they were at a weak point in their civilizational control compared to other places and so their need to organize these tribes was not unlike ours now where influence right. was was really lacking there was not right. a lot of influence but the crisis however uh was real enough to pull them together i think and so that's part of it too right right so what you're what you're looking at is a decline and all of these internal dynamics especially of confusion 
with a sovereign that had long been sovereign that that was no longer quite so sovereign. That would be the shogunate, military dictatorship, if you will. But okay, it sounds way cooler. No it question. It does sound. Okay. Sounds awesome. The shogunate. So the internal dynamics there relate now to other forces that for a long time had been dormant, including the prestige and the nature of the sovereignty of the imperial family of the emperor, specifically as a living God. He is going to win all of this, but part of the reason he's going to win all of this is not just because of the emperor on the one hand and the Tokugawa shogun on the other. It's really because of all the lower level actors and down to local officials, local nobles who are not necessarily wealthy, but have some sort of influence or power or weaponry or all of that together. And so one of the things to look at here, and you can look into this more if you want to, is how the alliances that form among local people or regional powers come to matter for who, so to speak, wins at the end of the day. Because so, in 18... Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, you're, because, I'm thinking of the fractured state of the Democratic Party and how they're having to really question who they are more now that they won, right? Is that kind of where you're getting at? Or no? You'd have to look at even more than that. You'd have to look at... Why Why does the Republican Party in this rural county in Kansas work the way it does? And who is the sheriff? And who is the state rep? Right. And who paid for the House reps campaign last time? These are all factors you have to look at. Because what you can see is that when a government begins to break down, either in legitimacy or even, strictly speaking, militarily, mm -hmm. the ways that it breaks down fracture along seemingly as many possible lines as there are that it that is that things break into a million pieces unless there's somebody making yep. sure that they only break into three pieces yep it fractures down to the first man to grab a spear and say i'm in charge and as soon as he does it people rally, rally because the crisis is so real it doesn't mean right. he's in charge forever it doesn't mean he does the right things but that's what just happened highlanders are you out there do you feel the quickening um it's time to step up uh because there can be only one and, and, and that really is true in any group there's going to be a a, a rod a staff a discipline, a king, a monarchy, I don't care what you call it, a father. I think that's where my religion goes eventually with the thing. But the, the influence right now is the power, right? It's not about pure money. It's influence that can be militarily, that can be financially. But the media is such a big part of this reality. How, how did uh, – do you have information on the media in Japan and what the leaders of Japan were able – how did they use that? They Were they adopting printing press at the same time? I know they were doing like gunpowder and planes. Not, are they at planes? No, they would have been at tanks though, right? Last Samurai. No, tank Last Samurai is all I got on this. Sorry. Bad, okay, it's yeah. It's a good so, movie. Bad history. Probably. Well, la last, last Samurai chronicles the – both the, re the restrictions on traditional expressions of Japanese culture, along with which was which was right. really an attempt to get at the samurai class because the samurai class was resistant to complete modernization. Because what's what's a little confusing here is that in order to go all the way back to actual imperial rule, the people who are invested in that, which is come which is going to come to be called the Meiji Restoration, eighteen sixty eight. The, in order to go all the way back, they go all the way forward. Because what you can see are at least two different things. One is the power struggle that we've talked about, and it has all the factors that you discussed. And into the bargain, you have also, broadly speaking, ideological factors, such as what does it mean to be Japanese? Because 
opening up means not just that American merchants are going to come in. It also means that American Protestant missionaries are going to come in. For they the understood time. very clearly that ideas matter, right? right. Like you can't yeah. just trade money and goods. You're going to cross pollinate everything and eventually ethnically too is bound to happen. Uh, and so they knew that and they believed firmly enough in the value of what they had to think it was mm -hmm. worth holding. Yeah. Uh, to contrast that, I think the current American system says nobody can do that. Nobody has that much value. Everyone should join together. So shut up and let us tell you that ours is better than yours and you should do what we say. And yep. that's the city yep. on the hill kind of flipped around. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I think I think. I think one of the one of the really enormous differences between Japan in the 19th century and America in the 21st is that a lot of times when Americans, especially American conservatives, are talking about what they're fighting for, they phrase it in in negative or incredulous terms. We're losing this. We're losing that. This or that is slipping away. We used to know what was a boy and what was a girl, and now we're not allowed to even say boy or girl, right? And the energy of that is not going to be productive for an unknown future. One of the and 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 you can see echoes of it in how this in how the samurai class, especially in the rural areas that do revolt openly against growing imperial power in the 1860s, the samurai class is defending something, and that has a certain cachet, but it doesn't capture everyone's imagination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that it's it seems inevitable that if you want to be successful in in a chaotic time, you have to be somewhat populistic because you have to get enormous numbers of people to support you and being conservative. I don't mean about any one specific thing, but I mean, as an attitude does not appear to be enough to gain large numbers of people if because by large conservative, you mean inflexible, right? I mean, no, I, no, because I, I, that's what... okay. I mean this, I mean, nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your, your rhetoric surrounds the preservation of something your or the recovery the of something that was You're lost. You're living in the past. Right. You're not living in the present. You cannot adapt yeah. your worldview, its first principles to deal with now. All you can imagine is a fantasy in the future that is already over and been proven yeah. to be impossible. Again, yeah. my religion would say stuff about this on a lot of different levels, but it, it continues to be what every political faction is trying to gain, a utopia on earth, as opposed to, I would call a much more natural philosophy, that you kind of a, a sojourn through a true dystopic, a suffering reality. And what we've done, again, is had some men asymmetrically make a lot of cash on selling other men safety in a system that isn't as safe as it sure looks on the outside. And to go back to our prophet of the day, Tlaib, right, uh, that asymmetry has to readjust the negative energy and put things back. And so that's the same thing that happened in the isolation, basically, is that they got a lot of asymmetry. And then when they ran into other culture, other worldview, other ideas, mm -hmm. it all mm -hmm. just went kaboom, 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 starbursting out and killing the past. What I find super, super fascinating, though, is that these were their warriors. These were their, their, their men, really, in, in a lot of ways. And then the movie struck me, The Last Samurai, uh, because it's, you know, there's a conversion of the American soldier to seeing some of the value. Um, but what you said, the inevitability, they ride out on horses and they're mowed down. Mode well, down. I, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, I think Last Samurai is both in the period it's set in, as well as like the basic theme, 
is just Dances with Wolves East Asia. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and 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 the I think that the problem with with the vision of both of those movies is that not only do they assume that like non-white cultures are magical and and therefore like integration into them is like the best possible metaphysical outcome, it's also that those cultures will survive by being inflexible by attending only to a romantic past. And so if you die, I mean, this is sort of, this is sort of, this is like the principled American conservatives problem. He wants to be not Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves, but the Indians. That is, he wants to die gloriously in the name of nostalgia. Hmm. And the problem is that (laughs) that doesn't actually protect your children or your grandchildren if you die, okay? And so I'm not condemning conservation or principle I'm what I'm condemning is is nostalgia because nostalgia. I heard you, I heard you condemn principle. No. You're against truth. Uh, we're done. That's, we're done here. Right. I'm a total total <laughs> postmodernist. So, so but I, I, I want to wrestle with it still. Yeah. Because, go ahead. I was trying to agree with you, and and my language was saying it differently, and so there's still some discord in terms of past. So the conservative is living a dream. They're living in a fantasy that right. is ignoring the present even as it tries to fix the present. Right. It, it can't handle the present because it wants the present to be the past. And right. you could do this with any kind of ideology. You don't have to do this with, with versions of Christianity or American civilization, but it's a way of letting the story that's outside of right now, but I can tell it because I'm intelligent, that happened then, yeah. this will happen next, right? Letting that overcome my ability to really see what's going on right now. I've right. so built this other yeah. story in my head. And whatever yeah. religion, philosophy, TV, you watch, you know, that's being tested. You're being tested right now. How strong yeah. is your, your worldview at the moment? It's going to collapse if you're not careful. Because the problem, I mean, the problem is that you're, you are wishing for a world in which there are not Yankees, so to speak. And this is going to kind of play into the, the other side of what I think is so fascinating about the Bakumatsu period, <laughs> because the, the guys who are revolting and, you know, last samurai is probably the, the nearest acquaintance that most people have with this, this time period, the guys who are revolting are not only wishing for a time and a place in which there are not fellow Japanese fighting against them. They're also wishing for a time and a place in which the only outside enemies are Dutch and Portuguese. And we figured out what to do about them. Yeah. Right. Bullet points. And we just, and we just have to hold on to that. Okay. Now there are Yankees. They have their own ways. They have their own technologies. They have their own ways of insinuating themselves. Okay. And the other side of this, and this is not like a moral judgment on should Japan be governed by, by a shogun or by the emperor directly or a parliamentary democracy post-1945. I don't care about that. What I'm saying is the people that were invested in the Meiji Restoration understood that your place as an actor in history is, because it's not solely determined by you, involves not only action, but also a wise grasp of things you can't control. And so you just learn to deal with them. That doesn't really make my safe space feel so safe anymore. I wonder what <laughs> shall I do? It's all slipping away. Not to go too fast past, there was an argument, a political argument in Japan during this time period over yeah. who their leader, their father was, the emperor. And their argument, can you try to imagine it in today's Twitter sphere, was about whether or not he was the divine emperor, you know, the son of God, God himself. And he ends up winning this conversation in the end, right? That's how things congeal is around his, his fascism, you might even say, um, his, his 
pulling it all together. To look at our current scenario and try to compare it to that, though, that's what's yeah. funny is that the players that we see right now are not – they don't have that kind of capital uh, spiritually. No. They just, just don't. I don't know who would, uh, really. And that's where military coup becomes a thing I am continually just kind of expecting an inevitable reality to be and not necessarily this week. I'm talking yeah. years and decades, but I don't know. We don't have that spiritual unifier for for this Western civilization at the moment. No, but the point of similarity is that within a certain set of traditions, practices, understandings of history, there are certain options politically available. Okay. And so, no, we don't have, you know, a folk religion that is ancient and basically doesn't even have to have a name because it's just like how you live that's shinto although christianity used to look a lot like that but anyway anyway yeah yeah and and (laughs) and so and so shinto has a certain set of authorizations Mm -hmm. and it's what authorizes the imperial family the debate in 1850s 1860s debate eventually issuing in civil war okay and that's going to be another kind of rejection thing today the debate issuing in civil war is about whether or not that son of heaven gets to actually govern. Okay. And that is a bit, that is a big change. That's a, that's a once every couple of hundred years change. That's a Magna Carta kind of thing. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Okay. Now the, the, so I really want to punch on this though. Sorry to interrupt you. Hold it. So on the other side of the world, at the same time that the British crown is weakening its headship, you're also seeing what's about to emerge as a, a, a powerful, powerful country, also doing the same thing, uh, neutering. It's it's God King. I find that really fascinating. It's it's like a, I don't know, it's a spirit. It's a zeitgeist of sorts. Well, I think the the British went through in 1688 the same crisis about the nature of sovereignty, direct sovereignty. Yeah, that the Japanese would have to go through. Or, I mean, in some ways had already gone through with the notion of the shogunate, but would go through in 1945. Okay. That is, someone someone conceived as divinely anointed, immovable, now is not. Yeah, yeah. So what's so going on in... Civil War. Go ahead. Civil War. And I'm trying to push you back to where you were. Well, I think, I think that the question of Civil War is, I don't mean to make light of it, but mm. I think it is simply more historically normal than we think of because we speak of the capital C capital W civil war. Yes. Yes. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the problem there is that if your nation lasts long enough, even as a loose, loosely conceived, okay. However you want to dice it up historically, if it lasts long enough, you're going to end up killing each other more than once. Okay, this is the case with ancient civilizations, unless they're extinguished. So, I mean, the Romans have several instances. They're not all called a civil war, but they have several instances even within 200 years of the creation of the the imperial state. Several instances of, you know, intramural violence. Yeah. Power creates so, a vacuum, or loss of power I, creates a vacuum, and and, and I and yeah. I think I think that part of the control that the American media tries to exercise over us is by continually telling us very selectively how unique a place America is, and that 
makes us surprised and also susceptible to rhetoric emphasizing how strange things like violence, electoral trickeration, you know, all of this stuff, which really historically is pretty normal. And my, my interest, especially here, is not to tell you, you know, America is so amazing, but really to tell you how normal some of these things are so that you can understand them better than otherwise. Like the definition of America right now is everything that historically is normal. We don't really believe it exists. We are confused <laughs> about those yeah, things right. and are not yeah. sure they're here. And so I hear you say this and I'm like, yes, and everyone's going to nod and, and not really know what to do with it. Because the way I've, I've been working this out in my own ponderings is with symbols and archetypes, the idea of archetypes. And the archetypes are backwards. The things are askew. And in a kind of a special way, things are collapsing. You know, the, the foundations of wisdom that built the society have been removed on a uh, a cosmically vocabulary level. And like literally, they're, they're literally going to the top of the vocabulary and trying to change Hebrew words because they sound wrong in English. I mean, it's just, it's an absolute bonkers kind of thing mm, to say yeah. a woman, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how... That's how nonsensical and Babylonian this place has gotten. And so, but what you're again advocating is that this is not new. This is, when I say the civilization's falling apart, that's not new. Civilizations are kind of always falling apart. You know, you get dust under your desk. You got thermodynamics teaches this. This shouldn't be a surprise even to the non-biased but non-modern viewer of history. It's only the modern viewer of history who sees it as a progress toward a modern pinnacle that really yeah. is going to struggle with this progressive death. Ha. Uh, I think that, right. that ended well if it didn't start well. Uh, yeah. Well, I, uh, I think unique uniqueness is always a barrier to learning, a con especially a conviction of one's own uniqueness. Like That makes sense. I don't know. Let's say I don't, I don't know how to start a fire. Well, if I think I'm the only person that's ever tried to start a fire, then it's going to take me a lot longer to figure things out than if I just ask someone or you look think it's it up. Possible, or... you're not going to try, right? Yeah, that's also that's also a potential thing. Like if I don't know how to do it, no one does, right? So conviction of uniqueness, I think, is generally pretty useless, especially in difficult times. We just told everybody they're so unique. Oh no, we're all going to be like staring at the lights and the deer, and we're ah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so, so what true. I what I what I'm <laughs> what I'm commending about the party that that wins this not only war but but cultural argument about japan is that they were they were in some ways much more conservative than the shoguns hmm. uh, re religiously they actually went about over the next 40 years after the restoration rigorously trying to expunge buddhism from japan from shinto right, right yeah because they understood Buddhism to be corrupting. I mean, it was sort of a, a reformation. Yeah. And then they begin to export Shinto to the colonies that the Japanese take over the next 40 or 50 years in Northeast China, Taiwan, Korea, which is unheard of in the history of Shinto. So they're sort of in, in religious terms and in, to some extent in political terms, they're highly reactionary. However... Warhawks? Uh... Not necessarily, that's not what, necessarily. That's what it kind of turns into, but it's defense. It's defense oriented war hockey. They're going. They're they're going to. They're going to end up disagreeing within themselves about 
what the nature of Japan's role in the world is right, supposed to be. Right. Which yeah. I'm going to push it back to the headship question. So who their yeah. king is will tell them who they think they are. Whatever they believe right. about their divine leader, whichever one they decide it is, and if it's just science, then it's just science. But whatever they believe, it's going to tell you who you are and you're going to act accordingly. And mm-hmm. uh, so what they had different then is, again, a unifying factor. What I don't see in our system is any unifying philosophy or thought. I see nothing but fragmentation. And okay. again, that doesn't scare me. I kind of find it exhilarating. It means like what I said before, like stand up and speak some unifying thoughts. People are ready to listen. You know, and that's why we're doing this. Right. And I would say that in in American terms, and this is true generally of republics, although America is an unusually diffuse in all the ways that we've talked about in the past republic. In republics, you're dealing generally with things that are more abstract than a person, as in the emperor of Japan. So you would have to take a concept that Americans have some attachment to that is still available to them as a political symbol, such as freedom or maybe, I mean, the problem is that the constitution doesn't have the same kind of play that something as big as just the word freedom does. Mm. And that is why that is why when you think about American politics and American history, it's generally much more helpful to know the history than to know like what part of the Constitution is this clause found in. And it doesn't mean that constitution and procedural questions are illegitimate. I mean, we we spent a lot of time in December on procedural questions <laughs> to a degree all that for not, turned out not to matter. All yeah. For not. What are you going to do? Uh, you know? uh, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn not to pay as much attention to the wind. That's what I'm going to learn to do. So, well, that's a ri- you know, that's a risk we, we ran and, you know, we didn't know that Twitter it was, was going to It was a really worthwhile conversation. So I'm thankful <laughs> for what I learned about it. And really it showed me, it was, it, would, it allowed me to watch what happened on Tuesday and, and realize there wasn't one false flag. There wasn't two false flags. There's a lot yeah. of flags flying and there's confusion. And so to me, the orderliness with which it has always worked and the fact that it couldn't, again, yeah. betrays a deeper spiritual crisis as a civilization than we're going to handle by shutting people out of Twitter. That won't fix it. Right. Because the, the orderliness and the procedures and the attachment to procedure was a reflection of something else that was deeper. Yeah. And you you have the same thing in the case of Japan. There are procedures, for instance, for how the new year is celebrated within the imperial family and that the relationship of those rituals to the well-being of the entire Japanese people. Those rituals are preserved as a reflection of deeper convictions about the nature of the emperor and of his family the absence of time-honored rituals and procedures and respect for them on both sides of the aisle in all kinds of ways in modern America is not that, okay, if we just get the procedures back (laughs) or we just respect the procedures, then we'll be good to go. They They are a a symptom of something deeper. There's not enough freedom. They should make a law. (laughs) Well, okay. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're saying there's not enough freedom. And so the answer is like more law or more attention to the law rather than recognizing that the, the quest for freedom is a quest for holiness, if I dare say it. It's not wrong 
per se as a vocative masculine thing to desire freedom, uh, but to, you got to see it as a religious thing that it is, uh, not some just empty thing that is always given in life. It's not inalienably in existence in history for humans. We quote the Declaration like this thing is in fact divine imparted by spirit juju, and you just got to sign up you know, at the local store to get your copy. No, men come and put you into debt. Slavery It's what they do. Evil men have always done this. And we have lived now again. We've been trained to live as if that's not possible. Thankfully, some of us are like, well, let's just at least know we're slaves now. I, I jumped a long way on that last comment, but I think, you know, well, I, I think I don't want to be dismissive of procedure and proceduralism because I think that the impulse was an impulse on the right in the United States, especially over the past 50 years as the judicial branch became increasingly important. So you got things on the right, like the creation of the Federalist Society and mentions time out of number, time past <laughs> counting of how many judges Trump had appointed and stuff like that. And the bet there was that the real problem with America was basically a hermeneutical problem. Right. It's about reading a text in the right way and therefore applying the law in the right way. So if we had the right readers, we would have the right Republic. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's entirely wrong in theory it, it, the, at the top. Somebody must believe in truth or everyone lies to each other all the way down. It, it's not like it's rocket science. I, I really don't think so, but it is rocket science. It, it is not rocket science. It is, it is blindingly impossible to see. And then once you see it, it is overwhelmingly terrifying and can stall you out. Uh, it also, I think, is a moment of true freedom to see that uh, slavery is normal in history of all manner, from mental to debt to we got you in chains. And a man's task is to become the one who is free even when he's in chains. That he, he really knows who he is, where he belongs. And then that man, he'll be, he'll be such a good slave, he'll be free. Uh, or his son will. No, and, and again, that's my faith talking again a little bit, but um, I, I'm free in chains, and that's what I can say. And so, but I think there's something about that that we share not just with other Christians, but with maleness, men everywhere, that our desire to be free um, is first a spiritual quest. And then our body is wants to follow it, frankly. Um, but then what is that even? It, the freedom we've pursued in America has been a freedom from like work, from the earth. Uh, from nature and and civilization, really. Uh, so, you know, what freedom are we after? Even if we want to raise that banner, it sounds a bit vanilla too these days. So that's that's another thing. I keep talking. I want to hear you talk. You're you're so much I, more valuable. Well, I, I I think I think the issue with the, with the term freedom, which I think is very much up for grabs, it's one symbol among others that someone who wants to construct a future on a local or a national level in the United States should be looking at ah, okay. the problem. The problem with terms like this is that I don't think that the interpretation of text was ever, was ever the whole story. Mm. So what I'm saying is if we had disagreements about the nature of freedom in a country that was much smaller, okay. From the very beginning of let's say this Republic under this constitution, not the mm. articles of confederation, then how much more in the much larger, vastly more varied place that we live in now. So the problem here is that it's not, it's not that we don't have political symbols. They are not so coherent as, say, an emperor. 
they also were never so determined as say ancient religious practices. That's not, those are not insuperable problems. You can deal with them, but it would require a lot more creativity in our case because you have to gain control of things that are much more indeterminate and changing. You also have to not look to things that are over. I personally agree with certain things in the American past that were then defeated and determined. And some of them I've talked about on here and some of them I haven't. The issue is they're irrelevant. The Articles of Confederation, as much as I like them, are not coming back. So if I want a future politically, let's say for, I determine my interest group is everyone that lives in the state of Indiana. And I want a future for people that live in Indiana. Ah. Then I'm not going to worry about the fact that even before Indiana existed as a state, the Articles of Confederation was just kind of like gotten rid of, you know, not even voted out of existence. Okay. Just gone. Yep. That's over now. So <laughs> that's fine. I think that was completely wrong. Okay. But it doesn't matter. You know, I played poker recently and my first hand, I thought it was completely wrong, but they made me play my mm -hmm. hand anyway. I just yeah. had to play what I was dealt. And that's what you're trying yeah, to advocate right. here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you have to, you have to, part of understanding what's going on is understanding the forces that are, that are like the weather. So I've talked before about don't treat like human movement as a natural phenomenon necessarily. There are political and legal and military and economic parts to the movement of large human populations, you know, Matthew Perry into Japan, for instance. But there are things over which you don't have control. They could be human population movements and you simply have to deal with them. They could be technological changes. You have to deal with them. They could be the fact that there are certain social networking services that are not controlled by American entities that maybe you should be using at this point if you want to say anything that Mark Zuckerberg would not give the thumbs up to. Hey, Mark. How you doing, man? Good to how see you. you. We got we to gotta meet up and chat, dude. I think you're overreaching. <laughs> you know, but you you have to recognize, and that, that's what I'm commending about the people that did end up modernizing Japan, because they said, look, if we want to continue being a country, there are certain things we just have to deal with. We can no longer completely exclude from our lives. We have to deal with them. But if we deal with them, that means that someone else who is not us won't be dealing with them for us and to us. Right. Japan gets to be somewhat uniquely for a non-European country in the 19th century, gets to actually determine its own destiny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that someone listening to this doesn't want to be told by another adult what you're going to wear that day. That's why people don't like masks. There's something reflexive about it. So if you want any control over your destiny for you or your group, whatever your group is, everyone who lives in Indiana, everyone that goes to the kind of church you go to, whatever it is you have to both calculate what is it that you don't control and can't control. And then what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Because it really doesn't matter. Finally, what you said about what should have happened 20 years earlier, maybe all the guys that lost the civil wars in the 1860s in Japan were right about arcane Japanese cultural questions. At this point, it doesn't matter. It's like having a detailed knowledge of the Articles of Confederation. It's irrelevant. You sound a little bitter about this, this Articles thing. Like, yeah, like totally, totally. I will, uh, this is a, 
this is a Articles of Confederation stand podcast forever, but this is it doesn't how I, matter. This is how I feel about my knowledge of kind of 90s, 2000s pop media. Yeah, the way you like, like it's gone, it's never coming back, and I know so much yeah. about it. I have acknowledged yeah. it's pretty much useless, but it continues to inform me. And I was like, "Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! You will not inform me anymore." Right? You know, dancing, dan- uh, what, counting crows. Um. Anyway, uh, okay. So when the fight happens on in the ground in Japan, this is still a warfare mm-hmm. that is largely pre-modern and modernizing so it can't really compare we did a previous podcast where we did talk about like what today's civil war in a modern nation state would look Mm -hmm. like how you know as you're if you're the regular populace and you're not getting involved you're probably just fine if you stay out of the way the issues are going to be infrastructure food electricity water and that is going to be anywhere from day months to years i mean a 14 year Mm -hmm. war is a 14 year war um Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean everyone's getting shot but maybe again the the grid's out you know or, or something like that I'm going to say that uh, as I've reckoned with this, which growing up as a child of the 80s, they really, you know, the Berlin Wall came down. We were going to live in paradise. I I, I don't, you know, it all went wrong. Mm. What happened? Reagan, Reagan, thank you. No, no, not thank you. Anyway, as I've reckoned with that, Reagan's promises have not come true to us. Um, I realized I had kind of two directions as a father. Uh, One of these is to try very hard to not die in the near term, to realize how far removed we are from surviving i don't know this year and a, a catastrophic mm-hmm. infrastructure collapse and between realizing that most things i worry about don't come true anyway i think that's tom petty mark twain said something very similar rather than panic instead realize that there's a lesson to be learned here regardless if we break into a real dangerous civil war right now and that the path to a longer-term civilization can't be done in a year of panic and prepping. Instead, that's going to take some time. So maybe, maybe, we have all the time in the world, and all we do now is see a problem that's a generation away from us. And in looking at those two things, I've just decided, you know, red, black, forget this waiting around, Russian roulette, I'm betting on we got a little time. What that requires, though, is that you're ready to starve to death with your family right now. Like you're, you're like going to recognize that that moment might happen in the next year or three years where people are fighting for food. Your neighborhood's going crazy. There's lines to get everywhere. You don't know what's going on. Your people are getting smaller and you pray and you die. And I had to look that in the eye and say, you know what? I'm not going to try to make that happen. I'm going to pray that that doesn't happen, but I can let that happen because I have a better idea now than trying to panic and save myself. How about I don't panic and lay some roots so that if I die, someone else can still pick it up. And I think that's largely why we're doing this, Adam, right? I mean, that's our endeavor as a show. I hope I hope you can agree with that, yeah? Yeah, I I also think that one of the one of the things that you have an opportunity to do if you're a thinking person is you are dealing with a situation that is not at all like the 19th century and certainly not like Japan because Japan at the time is economically extremely backward. It's almost completely agricultural. And so you do not have people with the access to ideas and interconnection that we still do, right? So however fast communication technology goes down or is taken from you or whatever, you have so many opportunities right now to connect and to propagate what you think to a group, 
not convincing necessarily people that are completely against you right now, but even just making your group cohere better than it does right now. Yeah, lay some lines and, in the sand that people will be able to cling to where they are, even if the communication is shut off. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. And maybe this is like, we're getting to like deep personality differences, but I, I am much more optimistic about the future. I'm pretty optimistic, dude. I, I just, don't, I just live in a dystopia, but we win. You do, you do, you do. You do. And I mean, I, I look at the future and if if we really are in Bakumatsu America, I every everything is up for grabs. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything is up for grabs. And you have capacities, you the you, dear listener, have capacities to shape the future that you don't even realize right yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. There can be only one. Oh, okay. watch for it. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah. Because part of the reason that there are things like that you grew up with Japanese pop culture is because not only in the 1860s, but also in the 1940s, the Japanese reacted and certain leaders, I'm not saying like every single person on the Japanese islands reacted, leaders realized or potential leaders who were not yet recognized, realized how much was up for grabs. Can I be a real, I'm just gonna say men realized. Yeah. Yeah. But not, I mean, not even, not even all men. Nope. But they were, they were, and it was an age where that was part of it. The voices in the conversation that led were the, were the men among the men. That's what it was. And today as well, men, I mean, don't wait for your wives to stand up. Seriously. Don't. Sorry, Adam, keep going. Yeah. Well, I, I, part of our illusion of uniqueness is that the sexes are the same. I mean, that's that's just one of our kind of childish illusions that we currently have. I mean, that'll go away. physically. That's physically. I mean, are you you're not so yeah. crazy. If it's kind, of, you look at it, they're different. Distinctions matter. Plato, Aristotle. Right. I don't know. Right. But I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that if you look at the future, situations like this are, and and I see plenty of voices like this, especially on the right. People look at things falling apart or changing rapidly or being completely uncertain and they get depressed and that might come easier to some personalities than others. That really is kind of irrelevant at this point, because the question is really about what you can do. And one of the things that we'll see, because we're going to talk about the Soviet Union and then also East Germany in the episodes to come is that when something even enormous like the Soviet Union, I mean, pre-modern Japan is really not that big of a deal, but when something that seemed immovable is beginning to move and to shake apart and you can hear the pieces rattling Hmm. as it goes down the road, you have opportunities that you never imagined before. Joe Biden seemed to think so. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I I mean, really though, I mean, look at it right now. Keep going. I'm just making the point. It's right there in front of us. Your point's right. The reason that that people are aware of Japanese pop culture is because the Japanese in two really kind of cataclysmic moments for their nation had people leading them who looked at it as an opportunity to do something. Hmm. And in some cases to do things that hadn't been done for more than a millennium in the case of like getting Buddhism out of Shinto to do things that were unimaginable five years earlier. 
And I would look at, and we, we talked about 2020 this way, but I would look at just kind of everything this way, because I think one of the, thing, one of the things that's going to happen and was happening under the late shogunate, and you're going to see it again. I mean, they even brought back the guy from the Obama administration. I know. Is that I think what they're going to do is they're going to present this as just kind of like Obama year nine. Like that's going to be the bit. So the bit is going to be, there's going to be increasing domestic radicalization and change right. sort of like a, a cultural Bolshevism or Marxism. So you're, the race stuff is going to continue. The gender stuff is going to continue, but we're also going to go back to Obama in the sense that we're going to do kind of, we're going we're to bomb more things than Trump ever did. We're going to bomb them more continuously and we're going to be engaged in more places. Right. So if we have more troops in Africa, I wouldn't be surprised. That's something big that changed under Obama. This also happened under the late shogunate. They tried to say, yes, we let the Westerner, we let these new kinds of Westerners in, but really everything's always the same. And the problem is people in charge often labor under the illusion that they are more in charge than they think they are. Yes. Yes. They have more control over events than they think they do. But they do that because the people who are under them labor under the same illusion. And it, the mob is when the group realizes the illusion is an illusion. Proximity matters a lot for making that happen, and communication matters a lot. And I'm yeah. not sure. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. To me, a big question becomes: What does the internet look like in two years? Because pretty clearly, it's not going to be the big happy category of Lululand that that it was yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I th- I think if it's more difficult to access, I mean, if it, if you can remember the internet prior to social media, so really prior to 2008 Facebook Facebook plus smartphones yeah right yeah it was freer I'm not really sure that's coming back but it was really it was more interesting honestly because it took more agency to be on the internet right right and people were usually on laptops so they were saying more more extensively so I would say that if you can secure not just channels, so social networking services, but also things like forums and stuff mm. and lock them down, you have a chance to have a much more interesting version and productive version of being online than most of us have had for about 15, yeah, yeah. So, 12, so a little, 15 a little bit years. of a land grab. That's a good thought. A little bit of a land yeah. grab online right now. Excellent. Yeah, so if totally. you heard of the Mad Christian Discord, there's a lot going on there. Check it out on Discord uh, or go to RevFist.com and ask around. Go to click on contact. By the way, if you want to ask us questions here at A Brief History Power that's still – see, we we are doing the Brief History Power because we have so little. And so we cannot update our websites yet that we need to gain power, and then we'll be able to do that. But you can ask us questions there. You can ask <laughs> questions in A Brief History of Power's right. channel on the Mad Christian Discord, and we will respond there. In fact, I have, I have now become partial to that one as well as my own dystopic nightmare channel. Um, um, there, as I, 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 I gave up Facebook a long time ago. Twitter had been relegated to twenty to twenty-five minutes while things were falling in the toilet every single morning, and I found it symbolically appropriate. And uh, and now the Mad Christian Discord has pulled me back in because of the conversation about these kinds of things that goes on yeah. there and continues to go on there. I'm going to go ahead and, and bring that up because I know we have a question yeah. from there to pull yeah, up. But if you want to keep going and and uh, anything we haven't covered in your chosen topic so far, no, I mean I think I think. The idea of the future of the internet is part of our version of the question of what does it look like after the Shogun is gone? Yeah. We've had the Shogun for 200 plus years. That's probably going to go away. We don't agree that we even like him anymore. So what replaces it? And 
being creative about what replaces it is the ultimate imperative because creativity equals survival equals flourishing someday, if not now. So the internet is going to be part of that in the same way that the appropriation of Western technology and the steam engine was part of that for the Japanese in the 19th century. Mm, steam engine. I want to build one of those. I have unplugged. <laughs> uh, Roger says this to us. I've unplugged from yeah. broadcast TV. Good for you. Uh, most of my work at home Workday is either Pandora or YouTube playing in one ear. I've noticed since the end of November a sudden spike in commercials about preventing the spread of HIV and AIDS, as well as ads promoting one of the HIV drugs. Both present males that are fit, attractive, active, healthy, and socially engaged. I haven't decided the subtext to the sudden spike in these ads. Um, he gives us uh, a couple of things, helpsoutthevirus.com and uh, B-I-K-T-A-R-V-Y.com. Don't know what that is. Um, be careful if you type it in. Uh, it, but he says, uh, these ads, a subtle suggestion that we will be living with COVID for decades, question mark, just like the HIV crisis, question mark. Does the homosexual mm. lobby feel left out of the social dialogue now that we have a new plague, question mark. Uh, the theme of help stop the virus ads is similar to what we hear from the COVID narrative. We are in this together, yeah. quote. We have to work together, quote. Um, I am a good bit skeptical and suspicious at the sudden onslaught of the ads and their frequency. You know what? I'm sorry. You should be skeptical and suspicious of the ads. Period. Period. I love you, but you see what I'm saying? Like, like you're right, but like, take it to the next step, man. Um, is it someone is spending a bunch of money to put forth in it. You think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time, why do you let them talk to you? They're just like false gods, and I, I don't mean that like. I mean, that is like a, a, a first article thing. Anyway, bah. Um, he goes on one more sentence. Uh, I don't think it is a coincidence that these ads started cropping up as a second wave of COVID made the scene, just ruminating on the white noise, love, peace, and chicken grease from Roger in Florida. Thank you, Roger, for the email. Yeah, thank you. I think that I think that our solution to COVID is going to be similar to HIV AIDS. I, I do think that if you look at the stuff that comes after what we discussed in the in the episode on the early days of HIV AIDS, you do get a lessening in the intensity, but it remains there as sort of a frame for talking about infection, sex, homosexuality's acceptance, gradual acceptance. So I I don't think, I don't think this is completely predictive. So that's all that it's worth. I don't think that they're going to keep rolling lockdowns in place. I think what they're going to do is they're going to add it to a repertoire of measures. So there are things that, let me give you an example. I didn't even know this was possible. My great uncle said he was literally a moonshiner. That's a whole, that can be a whole different episode. He said, the reason this used to work was because when you registered a car, didn't have to be registered in your name. So when they came for your still, you could just leave the car because it was registered in like a fake name or someone else's name, and they couldn't track it to you, hmm. okay? You just leave the car and the stuff, you lose the stuff, you lose the car, you get another car, you get more stuff. Hmm. I had no idea, because I was never familiar with a world where, you know, you didn't have like photo ID on everything. Yeah. So I think what's going to happen with COVID measures of various kinds is that it becomes part of how they govern our society. Right, right. Okay, it's part of kind of late shogunate stuff. That doesn't mean it's going to last forever, but it's part of the repertoire now in the same sense that the income tax or lots of other things that people flipped out over yeah. in previous generations. This is what's so important. It's yeah. circumcision. Okay. Now let's leave Christianity and Judaism behind. It's a defining marker to create a people. And it's happening right now. We have two peoples arising on this, these shores. 
those who will follow this and those who won't. Whether we can live together in peace, that is what we're all worried about. And what we are, you're advocating is, well, don't be so worried because it has a lot more to do with your neighborhood than with the country, depending on where your neighborhood is in the country. And that, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. And, and yeah, and your neighborhood is part of it. Also part of it is the, is the idea that you have, that you have options and that there are realities that are big right now that might not be here in 10 years. And a lot of very short-term thinking, you know, whether it's stealing the speaker's podium or anything else, a lot of short-term thinking is driven by a sense that if I don't do this right now, this will always be here just like it is right now. Right. And once you learn enough history, you realize basically nothing is always the way it was <laughs> at somebody's right now. Winter is coming. is not just catchy. Uh, it's not just catchy. You shared an interview with the founder of Gab, Andrew yeah. Torba, mm-hmm. actually from Scranton, Pennsylvania, which matters to people like you who are from that area of the country. It also matters to Joe Biden, who claims to be from Scranton, oh, Pennsylvania. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so why did and, you share and, that, though? What's, what do you find valuable yeah. out of that? Uh, the reason I the reason I shared that in our Discord is because I mean I mean part of it is a little hucksterish. Torba is trying to get Trump on Gab right now, but it's also because Gab did not. It, <laughs> they were told to go build your own, and they did it in a thoroughgoing way. So unlike Parler, which was utilizing Amazon Web Services, right? Gab Gab has been kicked off of a lot of stuff. Yeah, but at this point, they can't really be. Yeah. Because they're they're running all their own stuff. Unless they can't they block the web address though? Like China does this that is, for certain stuff. This is yeah, this is possible. And part of the future that's a little unforeseen for me for however long our shogunate lasts is to what extent they're going to adopt the social controls that China uses today mm-hmm. yeah, right. over people. Yeah. And if they think they can do it. And then how long that I mean the question would be then how long does their social control last? based upon the breaking point of that tension, right? So they'll press to a level. Do they press too far? Is it the French Revolution or is it not? Um, Where, again, is it we have so many more people than we did in these previous situations. I think the Earth's going to be a lot less populated in 100 years than it is now, but that doesn't mean it's not pretty populated right now. There's a lot of people around. Um, So trying to imagine uh, all of this, again, food supplies becomes the thing I continually am praying about because we just don't have... You do just about whatever you want. If you aren't self-sustaining right now, uh, you're not going to make it, you know, in this cycle of things, right? In terms of like getting your meat and getting your electricity, getting your water, uh, all those things. So I don't know. But then, like you said, you can be afraid of that and worry that you're just going to up and suddenly die, even though most of human history, people have not. They have survived through much worse than this. Right. Yeah. Right. But you can be, you can go hide in a corner and be afraid of it. And I understand that that emotion as a child of the 80s. I fully comprehend, believe me, it's a demon, actually. It's a, the fear is a demon. You just got to kill it. But anyway, that's mental warfare. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can sit there and hide with the demon and let it talk to you. Or you can listen to what Dr. Kutz is saying, which is that this is the gold rush, people. And we're not talking the gold rush of money. We're talking the gold rush of freedom, actually. Uh, and it yeah, means right. you stand up and be a king, a pen dragon, a, a father, a leader, a speaker, a voice for change. Ladies, you can also speak for wisdom. There are those who are given to hear you. And so uh, all of that, where you are, 
we just passed I, I keep saying it this way I don't even know how I came up with this but time has been eclipsed by power in our in our archetypes right now we were running on the clock we were running on the clock we were running it was done the clock's gone now it's power and Man. so uh, the clock does not have that power anymore so what does that mean it means where you are look around and figure out what power you have you have a bunch already and now if you use it well realize people will want to follow you that's the way good works and that right. Kuhn says again we're, we're at the time where doing a little good is going to go a long way in a few years. Right. Yeah. Huh? Especially if you start looking at what can I do in the future and not what do I regret about how the past turned out. Yeah. How do I set the seeds for something more? Uh, what right. do I study? All these things. What else? I, uh, we don't have another question on deck. There were so many that came through the conversation of a brief history of power. If you put a conversation or a question there and we don't get to it on the show and we don't get to it there is because we basically saw it and then forgot. It's hard to go back and, and pick them all up. So if you really want to answer <laughs> here, uh, yeah. make sure you send it through the website and, and whatnot. I don't know. I feel like hmm, I feel like there should be at least one more broad category from this last week that I've just lost because you know how many earth-shaking weird things – can go on. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I th I think that uh, one of the one of the symbolic things about last week that we haven't talked about, but does relate to the nature of religious change and how religious change is usually going to track with political change and vice versa, is that the the buffalo suit guy, bare chested with the American flag painted on his chest, is actually he he is an actual pagan. Uh, like it doesn't practicing. surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> so you know, this is this is this is pretty unprecedented. Uh, no matter how you dice it in American history, that paganism is actually like an operative thing. Uh, it's been around a uh, while. It's not, you're right. It's not documented. Nobody believes it. I've talked to them. I've talked to a number of them. They're out there, and and they they make sacrifices to their gods. I'd be willing to put some money on the fact this guy knew it was going to happen. He was there, and he was ready for this. I mean, he was there. He had, the, he had the scepter. This is an ancient image of conquering. There, this is not accidental. That's our king. Until someone takes that guy out, he runs the country. And the problem is he can't. He can't. And so we're like all flailing trying to figure out what to do. I would say paganism is a thing in the United States as an open religious practice within the past 50 years. The significant thing is that when something changes, you have, you have points of fracture, but you know, like when the rock hits your windshield, mm. the fracture started a long time ago. The windshield only fell apart at a certain point. Right, right. And okay. so what you're getting is within, you know, sacred temple of democracy actually built for a country. It's like largely what you would now classify as like Protestant fundamentalists with a few deists on right, top right. is now a place where who knows what you think, who knows what you believe, who knows what you think the significance of anything is the Mormons believe that the constitution was divinely inspired. This guy also is a polytheist, but of a completely different kind. We are all over the place. That is not going to last forever. It's almost impossible to have a regime without some kind of religious consensus. So one of the things that I think is most up for grabs about the future, and this will take us into talking about the last 20 years of the Soviet Union in the next episode is that you go from in the Soviet Union, a place that is officially atheistic with a completely culturally subservient majority religion in Russian Orthodoxy. And then you move into a place where Russian Orthodoxy comes back into being at least a de facto state religion and every other kind of religion also flourishes 
just 25 years later hmm. after they have their kind of Biden analogs in the 70s. So religiously, totally up for grabs and Buffalo guy, whatever his real name is, I forget it. Yeah, it's just a symbol of that. He is, but he claimed territory actually and spiritually. He claimed the whole country. He can't hold it. It's gone already. It was gone the moment he left and the troops came in. And yet, when Biden claims, I doubt he'll have a scepter. I doubt he'll have a scepter. He doesn't know what just happened symbolically to his civilization. We don't know the archetypes. We've we've forgotten these these ancient ways of speaking to each other. And yeah. the broadcasting powers have messed it all up. I want to ask another like, completely – that's not a tangent. Same topic, I guess. But I had another thought the other day. How far does – medical facial masks go in terms of fulfilling the requirements of Sharia law for a woman? Um, well, I mean, that depends on your jurist, right? So some jurists are going to say like the woman doesn't need to cover her face at all. I, I don't, the reason I don't buy the masks are some somehow related to Sharia law is because I don't think the role of Islam in any Western society was ever anything other than as a useful antagonist or a useful scapegoat. In France, no you think one, they're a useful, useful thing right now. I guess, I guess maybe if they want, I don't know. I'm too dumb. Um, they well, currently in France, they are a useful scapegoat. So I Macron see. has successfully deflected COVID heat and the and the yellow vest, the gilet jaune, onto a fight about Muslim homeschoolers. It's hmm. very but sad. That that whole issue and like, give you an example in the U.S. <laughs> This could still happen to, you know, some Somali kid in Minneapolis somewhere, but it's probably going to happen to some, you know, white kid in Georgia is that the Muslims were a way to talk about domestic terrorism. And so this is an example of what I said earlier with COVID is going to become COVID stuff is going to become part of the repertoire. Right. It doesn't mean they're going to use it on everybody or all of the time. It means that it is now part of the acceptable things they can do to you. Mm -hmm. So. If you're a domestic terrorist, that's a problem. Yeah, right. You are a big problem. Wait, In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say if you're a domestic terrorist, you had a problem to begin with. Really think about it. It's a problem. Well, but you're saying it's even worse. Your job, your vocation is now 10x as hard as it used to be. What I'm saying is that no, I'm not I'm not even saying that you actually are a terrorist. I'm saying that if you are designated as there such, here's yeah. what we can do to you. Yeah, yeah. And Muslims who are an infinitesimally small percentage of the American population and have, relatively speaking, not that much political power, okay, they were, they were the population that this was exercised upon in the past 20 years. Now, it could be anybody. Hmm. That's the significance of the vocabulary that's being used for what happened on January 6th. It's not enough to call them rioters because that's a little awkwardly close to what happened with BLM. Right, right. You know, in, in vocabulary terms. To call them domestic terrorists means potentially, as in the case of like Anwar al-Awlaki, whom Obama killed overseas, but I mean, yeah, but that a, an stop American us citizen, right? Yeah. An American citizen with a drone. So the issue here is that you are going to see chickens come home to roost. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think that was ever about 
oh, they're too friendly to Muslims or something, or, you know, there are Pakistanis in some suburb of Toronto using Sharia law. Of course they are. That's what Muslims do when they get into groups. Right. They use Sharia law. What did you expect? I guess I saw it as an older thing of the kind of dehumanization of a population. So Sharia law dehumanizes the woman effectively. Uh, by removing her face, she is less than fully human and it fits with the property laws of at least the you know more conservative edge of, of Islam. And then that's similar to what's going on here. It is the facelessness, right? The, the de-identification. And somehow that then creates less ability for us to mimic each other. You can't assemble, not just because you can't assemble, but you can't see each other. You can't understand each other. You cannot relate. I wonder, you know, it's kind of a universal thing from my understanding that smiles, children smile. They just always do. Every civilization ever. Do they? Will they? What happens in a, in a civilization with masks? Do we lose the ability to, to read each other's faces? It'd be a lot easier to lie. Golly. Yeah. I, I think, okay, I, here's, here's the difference. I, I think masks are doing something different than what Sharia law, as opposed by which I guess we're talking about specifically women's dress is intended to do. Sure. Because yeah, yeah. The issue with Muslim women's dress is that historically it's actually kind of normal. Okay. Right, which true. is, yeah. which is why Eastern Orthodox nuns wear something that looks like a hijab because historically it's pretty normal. And it's a completely, I think, separate question about where women are allowed to be completely open about who they are. And in the Mediterranean, that generally only means at home. So for me, that's a different question. And it's always been different in Northern Europe than it was in Greece anciently. I love I love how uh, delicately nuanced that answer was to my fumbling, uh, ham-fisted <laughs> attempts. But it's good. That's why, that's why so, I ask. That's why I'm so, learning from you, dude. I would so. say masks are doing something different in that they are anonymizing people. And it has the effect yeah. of creating very poor, low-quality social interactions. Right, no trust. Sadness. It, it, would, be, it would be like... You know, everyone is slightly depressed. Everyone is literally muffled. So that has an anonymizing effect that is more like enslavement mm -hmm. than it is a debate about like where you're allowed to be yourself. Although the, 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 the parallel here is that everyone now becomes a Saudi woman in that we can only be completely open and free and ourselves at home. Right, <laughs> right, right. So. right. So who needs... Who needs Sharia law? I guess it's still my question for that one end then. In some ways, it's gone further. And so yeah, those, we who don't, are, those who are yeah, afraid they, of it, you don't even be afraid of it. We, it's it's yeah, way worse right. now. It's they don't, they now. don't even need it as a pretext. They don't even need it as a pretext. If you like, again, to reach out to us, please do. This has been A Brief History of Power with Two White Guys, and we don't even know how to end our show. So we'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>